All right, well, we're going to jump right into our message this morning. I know that is why you came, because you want to hear a word from the Lord. And so we are so, so thrilled just to have you today. Make yourself right at home. And hey, how many of you like the new podium? I feel like a real preacher today, actually. Yeah, it'll be the best sermon ever. So thank God Joseph broke the other one. So praise God, we got to buy a new one. I'm thinking what else can he break in here? We need, maybe we can upgrade a little bit. But uh, it's going to be a great morning. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, John 8. Your word brings freedom. Thank you, Colossians 3.16, that your word richly dwells among us. We thank you, Lord, Mark chapter 4, that as we invest in your word, that it invests back into us, that, that Galatians 6, we reap what we sow, not only financially, but we, if we sow attention into your word, we reap it, and we just thank you for that you, uh, Galatians 4.19, Christ is being more uh, completely formed in us formed in this body, that we are making disciples. We are being raised up so you can release us out into a lost and dying, hurting humanity. We thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. He's our best friend. Would you say amen? amen. I do, again, appreciate David Z and him sharing. He said the reason they visited our church is because of our motto, a passion for God and compassion for people. How many know so many churches are just all about them and what they can do, and we're really not about us at all. We exist. We're the only organization that exists for someone else. We don't exist for ourselves. Yes, we're the church. Yes, we need to be discipled. Yes, we need to grow. But we exist as a church body to reach those of the church of not yet. And so I appreciated David when he shared that. All right, we're in our series, On Your Mark. That's no surprise to anybody. We've been in the book of Mark now since January. We're hoping to finish this gospel before Jesus returns. We're praying about it. Um, we, we are doing our best. But how many know you shouldn't rush a good thing? Can I have an amen? And so I love the book of Mark. How many of you have been blessed by our Mark study? I have been so blessed as we study this. We're going verse by verse and chapter by chapter. And the reason we're doing that is because it forces me to deal with the passages that I would not otherwise maybe deal with, which is what we're going to talk about today. I haven't heard very many sermons on our passage today. There's not a lot of churches preaching on what we're preaching on today because it's not a feel-good message. We've had all morning to feel good, and now we're all going to feel down a little bit. We're going to be challenged, but we will leave you lifted. Can I have an amen? We won't leave you down. We will leave you lifted. But uh, let's go ahead and flip over to Mark chapter 8. Somebody say it with me. Say it loud. Say, on your mark. Get set. Go. It's going to be a great series. Today we're talking about the cost of of being a follower of Jesus. And if I could pick a passage to skip, this would be the one. But when you go on verse by verse, you have to deal with every passage. You have to deal with every chapter. There's so much teaching today, Chad, who was a great usher. Can we encourage Chad? He was a pinch hitter usher today. There's so much preaching and teaching on the blessings of being a Christ follower, on the wonderful gifts and benefits of being a follower of Jesus. And how many know there are great blessings and great benefits to being a follower of Christ? Like we sang this morning, we have a hope that the world does not have in Christ Jesus. Ladies and gentlemen, I sat with a family this week who had lost a child through my chaplain duty. I'm a chaplain with the Knox County Department, Sheriff's Department, so is Pastor Michael. And I sat with a family that lost a child. And I'm telling you, there, there was not a lot of hope in that situation. And I'm, I'm telling you today that when we have Christ in our heart, we have hope no matter what the situation is. And I thank God for his hope. I was so touched this morning by just the, the hope that we have in Jesus. So thank God for his benefits. Thank God for his blessings. Psalm chapter 3, I'll forget not the Lord and all of his benefits. 
But when is the last time we preached on the cost of being a Christ follower? When is the last time we talked about the great, the great cost? And if you actually analyze the scriptures, the cost is actually far greater than the benefits. So that's what we're going to jump into today. Mark chapter 8, 34 through 38. Let's begin to read together. Verse 34, and he summoned the crowd with his disciples. Notice this now. This is imperative. This, this is two and a half to three years into the ministry of Jesus. Jesus has approximately six more months left on this earth. How many more months left on this earth? Six more months. You're listening. Thank you. He has about six more months left on the earth. And so his disciples have been with him through a lot of things. The disciples have heard a lot. They've seen a lot. But Jesus is going to give his most important sermon if we could pick one message Jesus gave in, in the book of Mark, it would be this one. So Jesus is giving his most important message, and he calls the crowd, and he calls the disciples, meaning it doesn't matter how much we have heard, we can continue to hear. Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Faith does not come by having heard. Faith comes by hearing and hearing. I was talking to Sweet Carol just the other day. She's got some things she's praying through, and we're agreeing with her. And, uh, and we gave her some scriptures that she already had and already knew. And, and we just reminded, hey, keep speaking the word. Keep saying the word. Keep speaking the word. Faith doesn't come from having heard. It comes from hearing and hearing and hearing. That's why you should come listen to us preach every Sunday. Can I have an amen? And you ought to read the Bible, and you ought to read it out loud. Because you're hearing yourself. And who do you believe more than yourself? Of course you believe yourself. So as you read the Bible out loud, faith literally rises and becomes alive in your heart. Let me tell you this. On, on days that I feel like maybe I don't have as much faith as I need to have, when I'm driving down the road, I'll take my app and I'll put it on the Bible app and I will hit play and I will let it read to me. And you can read like 15 chapters just from here to, to West Town Mall. That guy, he reads in such a poetic voice. And so I'll do it. I'll turn that app on and I'll just hear and just listen. Many, many times I'll go to sleep with the Bible on and just let it feed my spirit because my mind may be asleep, but my spirit's alive and well and my spirit needs to grow. And so I would encourage you to, to read the word because it, it causes faith to rise. So Jesus summoned the crowd, summoned his disciples, said, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. What a challenge. Verse 35, for whoever wishes, whoever desires, in verse 35, to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. Verse 36, for what does it profit a man or a woman to gain the whole world? and forfeit his soul. For what will a man give in exchange for his soul? What will a man give in exchange for his soul? Verse 38, now the rubber hits the road. Now, the, now we're chewing the meat. We're spitting out the fat. We're no longer on milk. This is not Debbie cake day. Now we're getting to the meat of the word. Notice this, it says in verse 38, for whoever's ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his Father with his holy angels. And, and Joyce, I begin to meditate on what is the cost of a soul. I want you to watch a short little video about an atheist who had a decision to make. How valuable was the soul of this atheist? Check it out. It's amazing. 
how majestic this is. And all of this happened over millions and millions of years. Thank you, Big Bang. <laughs> wow. Got to see deer today. All kinds of cool stuff. See what kind of creatures are back here. Bear! son who said that you deny my existence for all these years teach others I don't exist and even credit my beautiful creation to a cosmic accident do you expect me to help you out of this predicament am I to count you as a believer well I mean that would make me super hypocritical so if you could make the bear a Christian I would really appreciate it very well it is done oh lord i am truly thankful for this food i'm about to receive amen oh come on i could barely stand that video praise god so what is the cost of a soul what is the isn't that cute y'all just want to watch it again you don't want me to preach so how valuable is a soul now, I want us to turn to Matthew's gospel, and I want us to look at a few verses in Matthew. This is a parallel account in the Amplified Bible. I want you to see this. Matthew 16, verse 24. We're just going to look at a few things here. Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wishes, desires to be my disciple, let him deny himself. That means to disregard, lose sight of, and forget himself and his own interests. See, when we follow Christ, it's no longer about me and what I need and what I want and, and what I hope for my family and, and my own ambition, my desires. I must lay those down. I must take up the cross. I must take up the burden that Jesus bore, and I must carry that with them. It says, I must lose sight of, forget himself and his own interest, and take up his cross and follow me. That word follow means to cleave steadfastly. It means to latch on and lock in. This is not casual Christianity. This is not hot one day and cold the next. This is following the Lord. How many of you have ever followed someone who was driving and you didn't know where they were going and you had to really lock in and no distractions, can't be on the phone, can't be talking. I've got to lock in and follow this person. Every time I go on vacation with my parents, I make sure they have a set of maps because my dad is not a good follower. I'll drive a little farther. And my, my wife says I'm not a good leader when it comes to driving. She says it's not the follower's fault. My wife says it's me. I think it's the other way around. But we may never come to agreement. But when you're following, you got to pay attention. You have to listen. You have to watch. You have to be alert. No offense, no offense against my father, whom I love dearly. <laughs> so since he's here, yeah. He's going to get his offering back if I don't behave. Now, how about, how about we dive into how do we do this? So how do we take up our cross? How do we follow the Lord? How do we, how do we lay down our own interest and count the cost of being a disciple? I want to give you this morning seriously selfless steps to selling out to Christ. Seriously selfish, selfless 
steps. I can't even say it. Who wrote this? Seriously selfless steps to selling out to Christ. All right, are you ready to go? I hope you're taking notes, and this is going to be a blast to walk through this morning. This is going to really help us in our Christianity. This is going to really help us to sell out for Christ. Somebody say, I'm going to sell out. So how do we seriously selflessly sell out to being a Christ follower? How do we count the cost? Number one is desire. I love this passage because it says, if anyone will, if anyone will. And this is a whosoever gospel. It doesn't matter your past. doesn't matter your denominational background. doesn't matter what kind of failures you've had. It doesn't matter how much you've missed the mark. This is a whosoever will. If anyone, this is open to everyone in the room. All of us have this great invitation to be a Christ follower. The next word here is if anyone desires, if anyone wishes. And that word in the Greek is thelo. And thelo means this. It actually means to be intent in your mind. Thelo in the original language means to have a determined purpose, not only to be intent in your mind and not only to have a determined purpose, but it means to do it with joy and delight. Meaning that although the burden is great of following Christ, we do it with a joy and we do it with a delight because it accompanies that decision and that commitment to follow Christ. So if anyone, it's open to everyone. Now, I, I say that because we should be aware and alert to bring this message to everyone. Our church must never become stagnant. We must never become just about us. We must continue to invite people and invest in people outside of these four walls and bring them in to grow in Christ and be discipled. We can never be complacent with how many people we're reaching for the Lord. And so I begin to think about this commitment and this joy, and I begin to think about the disciples. Do you remember Mark chapter 3 when the disciples, Jesus called them to himself? Jesus chose his disciples. Would you say that with me? Jesus chose his disciples, but then they had to choose Jesus. See, that's where we are right now as a church. Jesus chose his disciples, but then they had to choose to continually follow the Lord and, and pick up their cross every day and follow him. Now, we make the symbol of a cross today more of a, a religious symbol when we talk about taking up our cross and we think dealing with our mother-in-law. Well, I'm bearing my cross, you know, I've got to deal with my mother. How I many you know dealing with your mother-in-law is not taking up your cross, especially for me? I have the greatest mother-in-law in all the world. Can we give Rita a big hand this morning so she knows I'm not talking about her? So why, why do you follow Christ? Let's, let's ask that question. Why do, we, why do you follow Christ? And are you frustrated when people you love and care about aren't following Christ? Notice it says, if anyone wishes, if anyone desires. Somebody say desire. We have to have a desire to follow Christ. It is so frustrating to me when there's people that I love and that I care about and that I'm close to, but they have no interest in the God that I serve. They're not ready. They're not ready. They have no desire. You see, Jesus is not going to force Meshach and Bethany to follow him and, and his calling on their life. You do it of your own free will. And so we, we love people. We care for people. We invest in them, but they're not ready. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and look at verse 18. Notice what Paul wrote. He said, the message of the cross. Somebody say, the message of the cross. The message of the cross is foolish to those who are in, in destruction, to those who are perishing, to those who are unsaved. But to we who are being saved, we know it is the very power of God. So think about it. Over here you have this glorious, this majestic, this splendor of a message of the cross. And over here it's, it's a spectacle. Over here it's an inconvenience. 
Over here, it has none effect in my life. What is the difference? It's because one is willing. One has a desire to follow Christ, and one does not. And I believe that you are here today because you have a desire to follow the Lord. So how's this message of Christ so beautiful and so powerful, so special and sacred, yet illogical and nonsensical on the other side of the coin? It's because to us, those of us who are being saved, the message of the cross is beautiful, it's glorious. But to the world, it's foolishness. It's because they're not ready. God put within all mankind the desire to know him. Would you say that with me? God put within mankind the desire to know him. But what has happened is our conscience becomes seared with a hot iron. Have you ever heard that before? And, and another translation says our conscience actually dies. And so this is First uh, Timothy 4, 2. It says our conscience becomes seared with a hot iron to the point where it dies. How I many of you put something hot on your arm and hold it there? Uh, you'll feel a, a tremendous amount of pain initially. Pain, but eventually if you leave the hot there, it will kill all the nerve endings. And, and, and eventually you'll have no feeling there because it kills and deadens all the nerves. Well, I just don't feel God anymore. I don't feel like that's wrong. It doesn't matter if you feel like that's wrong or not. The Bible says it's wrong, it's wrong. Can I have an amen? Thank you, all four of you. Praise God. If the Bible says it's wrong, it's wrong. It doesn't matter how I feel. It doesn't matter how you feel. Well, I just I don't feel anything when I go to church. Could it be that maybe our conscience has been damaged and deadened by sin so long that we no longer feel the tugging of the Holy Spirit? There's hope if we're in that situation. You see, those that have chosen Christ and those that haven't, we have a desire. 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 says, Satan is the God of this world's systems, and he's blinded the eyes. He's deceived those, and they don't see the light of the glorious gospel. But once we see the light, we have a choice. Are we going to be a committed Christ follower? Are we going to be a casual Christian and make no difference at all for the Lord? I would submit to you this morning about sin, because we're talking about hardening our conscience. Look at this PowerPoint for life. Sin which is simply non-compliance to the Word of God. Sin is simply disobedience to God's Word. Sin will take you further than you want to go and keep you longer than you want to stay. That's why we preach against sin. We're not preaching against sin to take away all of your fun. We're not preaching against sin to, to mess with your life. We understand sin will take you to a place that you don't desire to go, and it will keep you much longer than you want to stay. Therefore, your conscience become hard, and that desire, we're talking about, he said, if anyone wishes to come after me, you must keep that heart soft and tender to desire the Lord. Let's close our eyes all over this building for just a moment, and in your own heart, say this, say, Lord, keep my heart soft and tender. Let me always continue to desire you. And Lord, forgive me for any time in my life that you were not my number one desire. I repent of that and I turn from that and I turn back to you. Help me, Jesus, desire you more than anything else, more than fame, more than wealth, more than riches, more than relationships. Jesus, let me desire you above all. In Jesus' name, you can look back up at me. You need to pray that on a regular basis to keep your heart soft and tender. It says, if anyone, it's open to all desires, wishes, wills, meaning we've got to keep our desire for the Lord. We've got to keep a passion for God so we can have compassion for people. Do you see that? So that's the step, number one, to selflessly sell out to Christ. Number two, denial of self. Denial of self. This one is tough. Because I like to be in charge. I like me. I like the way I do things. I like my plan. 
Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, if he desires to follow me, then he must deny himself. Meaning, meaning Jesus is actually the Lord of your life. We, we love making Jesus Savior, but it's not so much fun to make him Lord. Because Lord means boss. Would you say that with me? Lord means boss. It means I no longer get to choose what I do with my money because it ain't my money. It isn't my money for our friends who don't speak East Tennessee slang, which is most of you, especially for Meshach. Meshach's not from East Tennessee. I don't know if you knew that or not. So I deny myself, meaning Jesus is actually Lord, meaning I don't get to choose the direction of my family, meaning my home that I have, I love my home, it's not mine. I don't get to do with it what I please because Jesus is in charge. This is not casual Christianity. I'm going to hit it here a little harder. Meaning on Sunday mornings, I don't get to choose what I do. I'm following the call of God on my life. Now, people are out. People do things. Sometimes we have to work. I understand. Some, some Sunday, you want to take off and go to the lake. Man, no problem. Never condemn you over that. But because there's a call of God on my life, I can't take every Sunday and be at the lake. Can I have an amen? I don't get to choose what I do on Sundays. Jesus chooses that for me. I've had to come to the point in my life where I've surrendered to the call of God. Is it, is it inconvenient? Yes, but it's my duty. It's my duty. I told you that I serve as a chaplain with Knox County, and I, I was at a conference this, this week in Nashville, and because I'm going to Nicaragua next week, I had to switch my duty days around because this trip came up very last minute. An opening came up. Pastor couldn't make it. He called me, and I was able to work it out where I can go. But I was supposed to do chaplain duty. I do it one day a month. I'm supposed to do it next week, and, and so I had to move my days around. I came back. I arrived at my home at 2.30 in the morning, Thursday, uh, Friday morning, 2.30 in the morning, uh, left Nashville, came home, had to be at the chaplain's office at 8 o'clock to pick up my car. How I many know I did not want to do that, but I'd signed up for it. It's my duty. How much more should I commit my life to Christ and his calling and plan, obviously chaplain is a, a Christ commitment, but how much more in every area of my life should I surrender to the Lord Jesus? Say this to me, say, Jesus is in charge. Say, it ain't Charles. <laughs> it's Jesus. That was funny. Y'all are too young to remember Charles in charge. Deny here in the Greek language, it says he must deny himself. In that original language, it, it means to lose oneself. It means to lose sight of one's own interest. Now, does God care about what I care about? Absolutely. He, and, and if I lend my desires, watch this now. This is for somebody. Because we're in the crossroads. We're, choosing, we're no longer going to be casual Christians. We're going to take up our cross and follow the Lord. If I give God my desires freely, he'll replace them with his desires. And the psalmist wrote in Psalms, I believe it's Psalms 37 and 4 or Psalms 34 and 7. One of the two, don't stone me if I've got that wrong, but it's, I think it's Psalms 37 and 4. It says, if you delight yourself in the Lord, follow him, he'll give you the desires of your heart. Doesn't mean if you desire to own a baseball stadium, he'll give you that desire. What it means is you give him your desires and he changes your desires and the desires he puts in your heart will come to pass as you delight yourself in the Lord, as you're not a casual Christian, as we're selflessly selling out to Christ. Well, pastor, have you noticed I'm here? Yes, yes, I've noticed you're here. Look at your neighbor and say, are you here? <laughs> pastor, have you noticed that I give? Yes, we know you give. Pastor, I even come on Wednesday nights. Have you noticed that? Yes, we notice who comes on Wednesday nights. And we have a great Wednesday night Bible study this Wednesday at 7 p.m. We're in the book of Ephesians. You should join us, 7 p.m., Prosser Campus. Pastor, have you noticed I'm serving? I come early and stay late. Yes, I've noticed. 
But can we take it up a notch in our level and commitment to the Lord? Not, not just what you do here at the church, but with your family. And I tell you this because I don't want you to go through a season where you burn out. I don't want you to go through a season where your commitment to Christ is not as strong. Look at Galatians 2.20. Paul knew this oh too well. Galatians 2.20, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, but not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which now I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So number one, the first selfless step to selling out to the Lord. How many of you like that alliteration? I felt like that was just dropped in my heart. Sometimes I have to really think about it and write it, map it out. Boy, that just came. It just Inspiration was flowing. Tara's like, seriously? <laughs> I said, yes, yeah, seriously. That's why we must, we must surrender our earthly lives to Christ, which is complete opposite. See, my nature wants to go this way but the Spirit's drawing me this way. And that's what Paul's dealing with here. So number one is desire. Number two is denial. We have to deny our rights. We have to deny that we're in charge. Say it again, say Jesus is in charge. Which means he controls. Which means he controls. Everything. Every area. My family. My finance. My future. Isn't that good? Now, you don't have to be scary, nothing to be scared, because we know the one who holds our hands. And as you submit your desires unto the Lord, give up your desires. Let him replace them with God desires, God dreams. And delight yourself in the Lord, and they'll come to pass. The next one, number three, not only are we going to have desire, we have to cultivate desire. You have to develop a passion for Jesus. You have to cultivate it. It takes work. It takes getting up and praying because you know it's a spiritual discipline even when you don't feel like it. Denial of self. I can promise you, Friday morning, self wanted to sleep in. But I got an amazing call that morning at 9.30 and I really was able to minister to this family that had, uh, on the outward, not a lot of hope. And I was so blessed to be there to do that in a very tough situation. But I had to deny myself because self wanted to sleep in. But self is not in charge. I've surrendered this thing over to the Lord. Number three, this is where it really, you think it's depressing thus far. Here we go. Wait, here we go. We got to take up your cross. I'm bearing my cross. I'm having to deal with my in-laws. Got this old minivan. I'm having to bear my cross. Give me a break. Seriously, please, please. Your minivan is not your cross to bear, okay? All right? Can I have an Amen. I don't mean that condemning if you just said that last week. But here's what I mean. Those are not crosses. The, 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 the cross was a one-way ticket to death. There was no return ticket to the way of the cross. Unless your name is Jesus and then you're risen again on the third day. There's a man named Varius, a Roman leader. And this was, Jesus was maybe six to, to eight years old. And, and don't give me those dates. Give me a little bit of wiggle room there because I'm not a his, historian. But when Jesus was a child, a Roman leader named Varius decided to teach the Jews a lesson. And every Jewish person Jesus talked to would have remembered this because this just happened. You'd think we remember 9-11. This, this was ingrained and burned in their minds. There was a Jewish uprising against the Roman culture, and Varius said, I will teach you Jews a lesson to never revolt against Rome again. And he crucified over 2,000 Jewish people in the streets of Jerusalem. 
Could you imagine 2,000 crosses, 2,000 crucifixions to teach them a lesson? So they knew what the cross meant. The cross was an instrument of death. The cross meant total denial of yourself and your rights. And Jesus was telling them, some of you that follow me will actually give up your life. We live in cushiony American Christianity. I can guarantee you, Meshach probably knows someone in his culture. I can guarantee you, Rinkum, in her culture in India. I can guarantee you that there are parts of the world right now where people are literally taking up their cross and they're literally dying because of the cause of Christ. And we think we've had a bad day if we stub our toe. We think we've had a bad day if we don't have the kind of coffee and cupcakes you like out there. We think we've had a bad day if you don't like the songs we sing or the music is too loud. Don't fuss at Jazz if the music's too loud. I told her to make it loud. Praise God. And don't fuss at me. Bob told me to make it loud. So fuss at Bob. We think we're having a bad day if, some, if, if Chad doesn't wave at you in the parking lot. You get all offended and huffy-puffy because Chad didn't wave at you. Chad did not see you. <laughs> he had kids he was chasing around, all right? Again, not, I'm not trying to put a heavy on you, but friends, we, we, we live in a, a very cushy society. Now, it's becoming more challenging. It's becoming more, we, you know, we really honestly could see a day where we have to make a decision. What are we going to do? Are you going to kill my family because I did not deny Christ? Am I going to stand here and say, I will not deny Jesus and watch my family die? God help us. I don't think the American church is ready for that. I'm not ready for that, friends. But take up their cross. Jesus wasn't asked. When he said, you must take up your cross, I guarantee there was silence. He sucked the hallelujah right out of the room. Oh, bless me. We want the benefits of being a Christian. We want all the good and all the joy. Yes, we do. But take up your cross. Take up your cross. It's a one-way ticket to death. It's the point of no return. I tried to simplify this phrase. Because we don't know what take up your cross means. We don't understand it. So I tried to simplify it. It's to realize the scope and to accept the cost and the challenge of following Christ. 1 Corinthians 9, Paul deals all with giving up his rights. 1 John 3, 16 says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Cross-bearing does not refer to being irritated. Cross-bearing involves uh, a man who is already condemned and he's forced to carry his cross. See, Jesus was condemned here and the cross, we see a cross as one wooden piece and that's not really what the cross was. The cross was a post, sometimes it was even an X, uh, more of an X instead of a cross, but the cross had one post and the cross bar was actually laid on their backs and so when we see Jesus carrying his cross, it was about a 70-pound log across his back, and they had to hike that thing for miles. So Jesus says, take up your cross, meaning it's going to be a challenge. And, and once you take that up, you can't turn back. You see, I've come too far, Sabrina. I can't go back. I've been changed. I've come too far. And then he says, taking up your cross is full and total submission to the calling of God on your life. What's the calling on your life? Number one is to be a child of God. It's full surrender. Hey, let me say this. You're never too old. It's never too late. Never. If you've been a casual Christian for 25 years, jump in today. If you're 75 years old and you've only got five more years left, make the last five years the best years. It's never too late. 
Let me say this prophetically if I can. Scripture says in 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 14, there's a prophecy still alive and God speaks to us. Now, we believe the Bible, we have a more sure word of prophecy, but prophecy always lines up with Scripture if it's godly. And it never, it never guides, it always confirms what's in your heart. You may be in this room this morning, I don't know who this is, I think I know who this is, but you know who you are, and you feel like you have shelved the calling of God, and you felt like you've, went, you've let too many years go by, too much water under the bridge, and you're just going to coast on in your relationship with the Lord. And I sense the Lord saying this very strong. If you'll pick that cross back up because you've laid it down, doesn't mean you don't love God. I'm not saying you're going to hell, any of those things. I'm just saying the, the cross represents the calling. You have laid that calling down, and it's been a while, a lot of water under the bridge, and you think that that season of your life has passed and that that is over. And God would tell you this morning that he is such a redeeming God, and if you will pick that cross back up, you will see things that you dreamed of when you were a child. You will see things as a teenager and a young man. You will see those things come to pass because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Can we give God praise for his word? Come on, thank the Lord. Now, would you be sweet and email me if that's you because we want to know and rejoice with you? But I'm telling you, pick it back up. And God says, I'm redeeming, and I will redeem the time. I will redeem the time. I will buy back the time. So we take up our cross. We totally surrender to the calling of God. Do you see why I showed you the funny video first? <laughs> Sweeten it up a bit. Last one, number four. Follow me. This is a continual following and following and following. Continual following and following and following. This is the greatest invitation man could ever receive. The pursuit of Jesus never stops. Would you say that with me? The pursuit of Jesus never stops. Say it again. The pursuit of Jesus never stops. So I desire, cultivate that desire. I deny myself of my own rights I take up my cross, which is my calling. I take up the calling that God has called me to bear and to do. And to, to. Now, I'm not doing any of this to get God to love me. I'm not serving and loving and giving and following him to get him to love me. I'm serving and loving and giving because I'm so loved. Would you just hug yourself and say, I'm loved? Come on. Just big bear hug. I'm loved. You're so loved by God. I'm so loved by God. That's why I volunteer my life and I surrender to the one who gave everything to me. This is a continual falling, not starting and stopping. I don't want to lose any of you all in this room to starting and stopping. I don't want you hot one day and cold the next. Let's just be hot for the Lord. Can I have an amen? Let's stick together in this thing. I want you to see this in Philippians 3.14. And we got one more scripture. We're going to wrap it up. I press. Somebody say, I press. I mean, oh, that's what the basketball team says. Hallelujah. That's their favorite scripture. Full court prayer. That was good. Thank you. Thank you, Candy. Thank you for the smirk over there. It's not going to get any better. It could be worse if Bob was preaching, so, I mean, we'll just go on here. No. I press towards the mark for the prize. Now, here's the, here's the reward. Yes, sacrifice. Yes, it's inconvenient. Yes, we have to bear the cross and make a commitment, but we press on towards the prize. There is a prize waiting, waiting for us, and it's the calling of God in Christ Jesus. Now look at Acts 20 as we close this up. Paul really had this, Paul really had this figured out. He had, he had gained so much 
He had the most degrees and the best schooling. The Apostle Paul had all the notoriety. He was a teacher of teachers and a leader of leaders in Judaism. He, he had all the accolades, Joyce. But Paul laid it all down. Look at this in verse 22. We're going to go through 24. And now I am bound. Somebody say, I'm bound. And now I am bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem, meaning I am so convicted. I am so drawn. I've got to do this. I know down in my knower. Anybody ever know down in your knower? I know down in my knower. I'm compelled. I have to do this. I know what God's called me to do. I don't know what awaits me. Meaning, God leads us in steps. The steps of the righteous are ordered. Not the strains, not the struggles, but the steps, the steps. So God will lead me one step at a time, and I'll, my path will be illuminated. But don't get out ahead of God. I'm walking in the dark with my children sometimes, maybe in the park or in the subdivision. I'll have the flashlight, and they'll get a little brave, and they'll run ahead, and then I'll, I'll turn the light off, and they'll look back, and they'll look back, and they'll run back to where I am. Have you know, God is shining a light into our path. Psalms 119 and 105, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. But we can outrun the light of God. we got to wait on the light. Somebody say, wait on the light. Notice this here, I'm bound to go to Jerusalem, but I don't know what awaits me. You will not always know what is the next step. God will give you a step. Let me help somebody here. Let me help somebody in this house. You will not always know what the next step is. Matter of fact, you may see the end destination, but you don't know the next step to get to the next destination. It's not your job to figure out what the next step is. It's your job to discover that with the Holy Spirit. It's not your job to figure out what the next step is. It's God's job. God knows it, and God will bring it along in his timing. And if you do the step out of his timing, you don't want to do that. So we want to wait on the timing of the Lord. So don't get in a hurry. Somebody say, don't get in a hurry. Somebody say, wait on God. Now let me give you some instruction pastorally here. This is what I do. Rick knows this. He does this. When I hear from the Lord, do this. I do that until I hear the next thing. Well, how long do you do it? Until I hear the next thing. The Lord led us as a church to come here to the school. I knew it a year before we got here. We were going to be in this school. So people ask me, how long are we going to be in the school? I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not worried about it. I don't know. It's, it's not my problem, to be honest with you. It's God's problem. So we've heard from the Lord. It's been confirmed. God's helping us. We're growing. Man, it's, it's, things are going great. So we're going to do what we know to do until we hear something else. We're not going to rush it. We're not going to get ahead of the Lord. Can I have an amen? Is this, is this helping anybody anywhere? It's helping me and my friend on the front row from Michigan. Praise God. You a Michigan fan? Oh, the anointing just left the room. No, I'm just kidding. Go Buckeyes. No, I'm just kidding. We got a Buckeye fan over there. Y'all can fight after church. All right, verse 23. Let's get back to spiritual things. Praise God. Now, Tennessee Vols, that's very spiritual because Jesus was the ultimate volunteer. Hallelujah. Oh, I feel the presence of God. Hallelujah. George is screaming blasphemy. Rick is screaming antichrist. Michigan friends just leaving. No, no. <laughs> right, verse 23, here we go. I don't know what awaits me. Check this out now. I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm bound. I'm being drawn. I'm compelled. I know down in my knower. I don't know what awaits me except... <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen in Jerusalem. Except, somebody say except... But the Spirit of God tells me in, in city after city that jail and sufferings lie ahead. 
I don't know what's going to happen in Jerusalem, but I'm going to be beat to death and I'm going to be put in jail. Other than that, I don't know what's going to happen. We, we love to teach in America that the calling of God is, is always easy and always cushy and always fluffy with pink unicorns and all that. Listen, the calling of God is not always warm and fuzzy, friends. You're called to be a, a missionary in your community. You're called to leave your family in Arkansas and be a missionary to a place you don't know in a strange place. And There's been hard days for that young couple over there. And the preacher six years ago that said, anytime you're following God, it's just going to be joy and euthanism and all, you know, all the, whatever, all the, along the way. It's, they, they, they lied, didn't they, Tyler? Paul said, I don't know what awaits me, but jail and beatings. But God said, go, so I'm going to go. Since when do we think God leads us into always cushiony, convenient situations? Can I tell you something in honesty? Being here in the school is totally inconvenient for me. Totally inconvenient. But God never called us to cushiony convenience. God called us to challenge. But the fruit is at the end of the obedience to the calling. Paul says, I don't know what's ahead. Beatings, sufferings, jail, who cares? But my life is worth nothing to me. Would you say that with me? My life is worth nothing to me. Say it again. My life is worth nothing to me. Go back to that screen if you can. My life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus. Acts 20, 24. And that work is telling the good news about the wonderful grace of God. Let's read this together, everybody out loud. This is, this is the message. This one verse encapsulates all this message today about following Christ's desire, denial, taking up our cross, following the Lord. Let's read it together. Ready? Read. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. Jared, pull up that last screen. What do we know? What can we expect when we de desire, have that desire, when we deny ourselves, when we take up our cross and our calling and we follow the Lord and we selflessly sell out? What can we expect? Number one, we are engaged in a lifelong battle against sin. It's a lifetime battle against the forces of evil, satanic powers and forces. It's a lifetime war. Somebody say, I'm in a war. We will suffer persecution, ridicule, hatred from the world and even religious leaders. You know, Jesus was crucified by the religious people. But we overcome. We are warring with the one who is victorious. And we will receive the victor's crown. And then we'll take that crown and we will lay it down at the feet of Jesus. There's coming a day. There's coming a day. There's coming a day when all that I will have to give to the Lord Jesus is, is what I have earned here on the earth. There's coming a day when that's all I have to present to the Lord is, is the, the jewels and crowns that I've earned while on this earth. I lay them down at the feet of my Lord and I gladly give them to Him. What do you say, friends? We take up our cross and we follow the Lord. We don't be casual Christians. We go after this thing with all of our heart. What do you think? Let's stand together. I have decided to follow Jesus. Sing it with me. I have decided to follow Jesus. 
I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Sing it again. I have, I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Though none go with me, still I will follow. Though none go with me, still I will follow. Though none go with me, still I will follow. No turning back, no turning back, no turning back. Thank you, Lord. Can we just lift our hands and, and bless the Lord this morning? Thank you, Father, for what you're doing in us and through us. Thank you for the gift of grace. Every head bowed, every eye closed this morning as we pray together. You say, Pastor James, I want more than anything to desire to fulfill what God has called me to do. I want more than anything to surrender to his call on my life. And, and I want this desire in my heart to grow. I want it to grow beyond my wildest dreams. I want to be known for my relationship with God more than I'm known for my personality. If that's you this morning, just slip up your hand and we want to pray for you. Yes, all over the building. I want Rick to come this morning and I want him to pray over us and follow the Lord in these last moments. Would you come in together and just grab the hand of your neighbor just as a point of contact, just come in together. I know we've already prayed for one another, but... Grab the hand of your neighbor. I want Rick to pray a blessing over you. We sure do love you, Miss Tara and I. We're, we just love you. We're so thankful for you. Thanks for being a disciple of the Lord. And as soon as Rick says amen, we'll get into our youth meeting over here to the right. But let's take a minute and pray and continue surrendering to the Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this message today. We thank you for your word that um, challenges us and confirms so much in us. Lord, I pray for those that are here today that are just struggling with uh, just moving forward with in their relationship with you. I pray for them, God, that uh, you would that they would continue to surrender because I know when they do that you'll continue to make yourself known to them, to make yourself more real to them. We thank you for your grace that helps us to step out of our old life and into the new life that you've chosen for us. We thank you that your word says that your mercy is new every morning and that you're always willing to forgive us and you're always pursuing us. We thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.